All right. Amen. This thing's all out of shape. Dad was really going this morning, man. He, 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 he bent this thing all up. He was preaching so hard. Um, we are in the book of Exodus. And we are in chapter 9. <clears throat> and uh, we are going to be beginning in verse 13. Gen, or excuse me, Exodus nine, thirteen. Dad's message this morning was great. In fact, I liked it so much, I've stolen a healthy portion of it for this service, unashamedly. Believe me, nothing makes them happier. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, you know, what, what your, here's your portion. So, you know, I, I've got notes uh, from when I went through the Bible before, you know, like, the, like correct notes. Uh, if you want to read them and go through them, maybe take a lesson, you know, uh, they're, they're available to you. Thanks, Pop. <laughs> Anything I know, I can tell you that, is from my dad. Um, you know, from, from him forcing me uh, under pain of death to... That's the one thing. My father was not a very strict man, okay? He should have fired me out of the second floor window like when I was... 13, I had earned that, right? Uh, and he was not very strict with, but you know what? The one thing that he was strict with and he would not uh, accept any, uh, any compromise on was the studying of the Word of God. Um, and we had to have our family devotional time. And he was adamant about that. If you live under this roof, that's the one thing that gets you kicked out of the Thomas house. You're going to church, right? You're a horrible sinner, right? And, and we're going to have family Bible studies. You're going to learn this book because... You may be a screwball now, but at some point in your life, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to realize that everything your mom and dad have taught you is true and it's true for you. And how much of this book you know and you understand is going to directly affect what you do from that point on. Every single thing that we have, you know, when the Bible says it's a fantastic and amazing thing that God says in his own word, that he honors his word above his name. And so when somebody says to me, well, it's really not that important to read the Bible. It's really not that important to know what the Bible says and to understand what the Bible says. I would say to them, he says in his word that he honors his word above his name. I think it's pretty important because as we're going through the book of Exodus and God appears first to Moses and then to the children of Israel and then to Pharaoh, what we find out and what we see clearly in God's word that it was very important that they knew who he was. His name is very important. Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, let my people go that they may worship me freely. And Pharaoh says, I don't know this God of yours, nor will I let his people go. Well, God spent the next nine months teaching Pharaoh who he was. And it's extremely important in this story. As we go through Exodus, God is continually showing back up in Pharaoh's courts. Do you know me now? Is this thing on? Do you know me now? Do you understand now? Pharaoh, open your eyes. Pharaoh, open your heart. I will use you, Pharaoh. And I'm going to use you one way or another. My will will be accomplished. This people will be free. This people will be free. 
And they'll be free to go to a land that I will show them, that I promised to their forefathers, and there I will deal with them. That is written. That is done. And no, not Pharaoh, not any other king, not any army, or any other power that man possessed was going to stop that. That's the same truth for you and I today. When Jesus Christ, when he told his disciples, Go you, therefore, into all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I have commanded you. When he gave them that command and, by, and vicariously through them gave us that command, that's his will. That's his word. And there is nothing that can stop that from happening. There is nothing that can keep the gospel of Jesus Christ from going forward. Now, he can use you. Or he can do his will in spite of you, but he wants to use you. He wants to use you. I've before likened it to, you know, being in a football field, a good football field, like the Giants football field. Right? And if that's Christianity, all of Christianity is this Giants football stadium, you can be anywhere you want. By the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus, you can be as close as you want to the action. You can be on the field. Maybe you're not going to be the quarterback. Maybe you're going to be a blocker, you know. Maybe you're going to hold the ball. Or you can be up in the nosebleed sections. Or you can be the person that leaves early. But God has given us the ability in Jesus Christ and by the power of his Holy Spirit to be involved as we want to be. But every single aspect of our faith and God using us in this world is dependent upon our willingness. Will you go? Will you do what I've asked you to do? It starts, it, starts, it starts small, right? Be faithful in the little things. What are the things that God has been speaking into your heart? Into your heart. Not the person sitting next to you, right? Everyone goes, you know. No, no. What's God been speaking into your heart? What is it that God has been, been trying to tell you? What is it that God has been working on in your life? Be obedient in those things. Well, it's not all that easy, is it? Fight struggle. But above all, have the attitude and the mentality, God, I'm available to you today. I am available to you today. This heart, as wicked and sinful as it is, belongs to you. Would you use me? Oh, let me tell you what. He will use you. He will use you. And in a way that you think not, this whole FCA motocross thing has been a whirlwind. For, for all, every one of us who have been involved, because we just want to ride dirt bikes, you know what I mean? Like, that's all this is, a bunch of lunkheads who want to ride dirt bikes and don't care if they fall off and get hurt, they just want to ride dirt bikes. And God says, well, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to make a ministry out of this. It's not just you riding dirt bikes, I'm going to use this thing. So we have our dirt bike camp, and this year at camp, the, 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 uh, the director of FCA Motocross Nationwide approached me and said, God has put it on my heart. I believe that God has put it on my heart to ask you, Frank, will you go to Guatemala? I'm like, no. <laughs> and I said, if God put that on your heart to tell me that, is there another answer? Yes. I'm willing to go wherever God calls me to be. I tell my kids all the time, listen, I don't do a lot right, okay? But the few things... The few things that God puts in front of me, will you say yes or will you say no? The answer is yes. 
I'm an idiot, and I do stupid things, and I act stupid, and I, and, and I have all sorts of issues and problems, just like all of you. But I want to get the things right that are, that are important and that are matters of the heart. When God is calling you, what will you say? And so I said, yeah, of course I'll go. It's not going to happen. There's way too many hurdles to get over. You know what I'm saying? But if God has told you to come up to me and say, will you go to Guatemala? If that's the case, of course I'll go to Guatemala. And I'll take the steps in faith to see if this is what God wants. Right? So I get home. I took no steps, by the way. Well, for a week, okay? And then uh, she called me again. Hey, we're having a conference call. Will you sit in on the conference call? Um, this is like, you know, it always ends up being confession time. Please don't think ill of me more than you already do, okay? I forgot about the conference call. It was Brookie's birthday in my defense, and I was all caught up in that face, that little squishy face. And I forgot. We're playing and dancing and, the never, and I forgot about the call. So I see the text from Donita, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm such a moron. Why am I such a moron, you know? And so the next day, I, I call her, and I apologize and said, you can make it up to me by getting on the ball today. I said, I'm on the ball. I'm on the ball. And so I called my boss. This is the first hurdle I got. Well, I'd already talked to the boss, my wife, and she was like, so you're not going to be here for a week? Yeah. Oh, awesome. That's great. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Maybe he's calling you there permanent, you know? Uh, she said, if the Lord's calling you to go, she, my wife actually does like me. <laughs> she likes to have me around. If the Lord's calling you to go, go. So boss number one, okay, we got that hurdles over with, right? Then I call my boss and I don't have any vacation time left or anything like that. And, and, and it's, it's, it's 10 days and, and, uh, and, and believe me, people without me, that whole company goes down. Okay. All right. I tell, I tell them that every single day. Remember, I say this, don't think, don't, don't doubt me. Rich Hayer will tell you. I will I mean, I'll be like, remember, without me, this whole place, you know, and I walk out to my minivan, go do my inspection. Um, uh, so I called my boss and I'm like, look, here's, here's the deal. This is what I've been asked. Um, and I'm just running this by you. I don't want to put you in a pickle. This is my job. This is what I do for a living to provide for my family. It's very important to me that I be at least steadfast in what I do. And then I'd be a good employee. You know what I'm saying? And so this is, this is what it is. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Oh, maybe you didn't hear me. <laughs> I, okay, your number one guy is going to be gone for 10 days. And, and, and are you sure that's okay? Well, you do have, uh, you're supposed to go to backflow school uh, that week. And I'm like, okay. All right, well, that's, you know, that's, that's what I needed to hear. He was like, well, we'll just move it. I'll, I'll reschedule for December. No problem. Let me know on Monday if you want to go. You're, you're fine. Go. Okay. So I'm sitting there in my van with one single tear going down my face because they don't need me at that place. And I go on Facebook, right? Because that's how you talk to your friends. You don't use your mouth. You go on Facebook. And I po put a post up. Some of you have seen it. Uh, here's the deal. Uh, the Lord might be calling me to go to Guatemala. <laughs> okay. And uh, um, I need... $2,000 uh, to go, and I need another $1,500 because I have to get paid. I can't go and then not have a paycheck for my wife. Then, then I'm in big trouble, right? Then it's like, don't come back, you know? So, that, so I've got I've to come up with $3,500 just to go. And um, so I put this all up on, on, on Facebook and, and, uh, and just, okay, we'll see what the Lord does. And I got some likes and some comments and stuff like that. By 5 o'clock that evening, I was fully funded. Okay? So, right. Yeah, yeah. Applause goes up. 
So I'm like standing there in my kitchen going, apparently I'm going to Guatemala now. Um, and so it's just, I'm blown away. I'm still blown away. Now I've got to get all this stuff together and I've got this checklist and blah, blah, blah. And I've got to talk to my doctor, my elbow, what's going on with that? Do I have to have surgery? All these other things. I've got, got to get in order. But when God says go, when God is calling you to do something, and, and it was not some vision that I had. You know what I'm saying? I come in my prayer closet. Oh, Lord, I see Guatemala in a vision. You know, there's nothing. I'm just standing there. You know, at camp eating a cheeseburger, you know what I'm saying? Minding my own business, and she walks up to me. Would you go to Guatemala? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. You know, God's going to have to do all sorts of stuff. I'll go. But he had a plan. And so here I am, standing before you. I'm going to Guatemala. I've got to get shots. I've got to do all sorts of stuff. I've got to get a passport. When God opens doors, nobody can shut them. The contrary is true as well. Remember that. When God shuts a door... Don't you go kick in the door. You will regret the day that you did. And, and so we're talking about life. We're talking about stuff that relates to us and, and, and that we can see and touch. You understand it's the exact same thing that's happening on a larger scale in Exodus chapter 9. You understand it's the exact same thing. It's just God working on hearts. It's God working on hearts. Moses, are you willing? No, not really, right? I'm not able. Lord, choose somebody else. I've chosen you. Be obedient. Okay, I'll be obedient. To the children of Israel, will you have faith? Will you believe? Will you trust? What a rocky road that is. And then even to Pharaoh. Pharaoh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go. Pharaoh, will you listen to the voice of God? Now here's where we get into the difficult part of life because most people, and this is the sad, awful, horrible, dark, mind and heart-wrenching truth of this life, most people are going to reject the free gift of Jesus Christ. They're going to reject the free gift of Jesus Christ. In fact, they're offended by the mere mention of his name. Why? Why is Jesus offensive? What about Jesus is offensive? What does Jesus do? He doesn't kill anybody. He doesn't hurt anybody. He commands his followers to do the exact opposite. When people hate you, love them. If they hit you, turn the other cheek. When they insult you, praise God. It's the most harmless faith that there's ever been. Jesus told Pontius Pilate, very simply, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, then my servants would fight. But as it is, it is not of this world. This faith that we have, what God has called us to do, is to put him first preeminent in our hearts and second to that. And directly linked to that is to then go out and serve the people and love people. What part of Jesus Christ can you hate? What part of that can you hate? Well, you know, I knew some Christians. and I know, Okay, granted. Gotcha. Understand. Yeah, there's a lot of Christians out there that are giving him a bad name. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, but it's deeper than that, isn't it? Because people have their patented excuses that they will give you of why they don't believe. And I'm here to tell you, it's all poppycock. I'm not saying that those things didn't affect them in their life. I'm not saying that those things didn't happen and they don't really have those, those struggles getting through that. But what I'm telling you is it's poppycock. Last, year, last week we talked about the train scenario. 
okay? If there's a train bearing down on someone, someone who's unable to hear, they're deaf, they can't feel the vibrations, they're standing on a track with their back to a train, a freight train that's coming to them, okay? And you go up to them and you say to that person, you say, a train is coming behind you. A train is coming behind you. Not only will you not have to tell them again to get off the tracks, you will not be able to stop them from getting off the tracks. Okay? There is nothing, there is no reasonable, there is no reasonable reason why anyone would not come to Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that about our faith. God is grace. God is love. God is mercy. But God is God. And God's word is true, and everything it has written in there is true. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me. He also said, I have not come to abolish the law. You see, a lot of Christians and a lot of Christian organizations want to use Jesus Christ and the grace that we have through Jesus Christ as a reason to abolish the law. As a reason to say, I don't really have to do this. I really don't have to be obedient. See, all of that was abolished. That was not abolished. Jesus Christ said, I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. I said, what do you mean by that? Are we under the law? No, you're not under the law. Why are you not under the law? Because you're unable to be. Because we break the law every single day. God did not give us the law so that we could look at it and be justified in our own eyes. God gave us the law so that we could look at it and be undone. Undone. Woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. And Jesus comes low. Low. It is me. In the volume of the book it is written of me. And he came and he lived the law perfectly. And he died on the cross for our inability to live according to the law. His blood covers us. But that is not for the purpose of us being able to live our lives any old way. And to stand out there with the rest of the world and the rest of the church in a lot of cases and justify sin. There is no justification for sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He paid a horrible, terrible, awful price because of my sin and because of your sin, not so that I could continue in it, but that I might be redeemed. And he sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to live inside each believer's heart to give us the ability to do, the deutimus in the Greek. That literally means the ability to do. To do what? To live the life that it is impossible for me in the natural flesh to live. I cannot live my life pleasing to God. I cannot. I can't live up to it. But the Holy Spirit gives me an ability beyond myself. But we have to relinquish control. And that ain't easy. That relinquishing of control. This is not my life. My life belongs to God. God, forgive me for the things that I do every single day. Break down the strongholds in my life. Purify me. Purify me, Lord, so that you might use me in your kingdom for your good purposes. That's the whole point of everything. That's the whole point of everything. Dad uh, read, I, I'm just going to um, read a couple of things. Um, this, is, this is one of Dad's notes that I stole. Um, and I was just blown away by it. <clears throat> and I'd heard a portion of it before, but never the whole thing. This is, um, 
uh, was it 1992 you said? 1998, there was a conference, and this geneticist, Professor Richard Lewinton, um, who was a self-proclaimed Marxist and one of the world's leaders in evolutionary biology, uh, he wrote this comment for a genetic evolutionary conference in 1998, and this is is his quote, okay? I'm going to read this quote, and I'm going to read a Bible verse for you. He said, our, talking to the scientific community, our willingness to accept scientific claims that are against common sense is the key to an understanding of the real struggle between science and the supernatural. We take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of its failure to fulfill many of its extravagant promises of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated, just-so stories, because, why will they accept all that? Because we have a prior commitment. Commitment. Like, we have a commitment, don't we, Christians? He's saying, we in the scientific community, we have a commitment to materialism. It is not that the methods and institutions of science somehow compel us to accept a material explanation of the phenomenal world, but on the contrary, that we are forced by our prior adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation and a set of concepts that produce material explanations, no matter how counterintuitive, no matter how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute. And here's what he finished up with. For we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. What is he saying? (laughs) What is he saying? What he's saying is, in spite of the fact that so much of what we call science and the constructs of our scientific theory are based on poppycock, are based on on nonsense. When I was preaching at the camp, I love to, and I I tell the kids, you all got a smartphone, Google it. Where did killer whales come from? You Google that. Google where did killer whales come from, and you read that, sci- that, that quote-unquote scientific evolutionary theory of where whales came from. It is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard a lot of stupid things, believe me, right? And said a lot of stupid things. But no matter what you tell me, no matter what you tell me, one plus one is two, zero plus zero is always zero. Science and math are absolute when they're proclaimed in a truthful manner. Now, you can play with math, right? I mean, and I'm not, I'm not please, I'm not trying to get political in it. This whole common core math thing, why can't math just be math? And, and, and that's funny, haha. But, but, but beyond that, don't you think for one second, don't you think for one second that the people who are running this world don't want you to learn even math in a different way so that they can also to accept, get you to accept other things in a different way? It is training. It is training. Our schools are materialism and, and, and humanism training schools 101. You go to university, it's humanism training. It's materialism training. That's what it's about. And you have to have faith sometimes. 
to believe in some of these things. Google, when you get home, where did killer whales come from? See if you can read it without laughing. Because it doesn't make any sense. There's, where's, where's your fossil record? There should be some fossil somewhere of a half wolf dog and half killer whale somewhere, right? I mean, if evolution is true and that's the way that it works. Don't tell me just because some ancient species of wolf liked fishing and wandered deeper and deeper out into the water that suddenly over millions of years he became a killer whale. That's a stu- it's a fairy tale. And then they look at you and go, you believe in God, you're an ignoramus. You believe in miracles, you're an ignoramus. Really? Because a lot of the things you believe are insane. And you don't have the benefit of saying, I believe in the miraculous. That's what this man's saying. We know it's ridiculous, but we will not allow a divine foot in the door. Now I want to read to you out of the book of Romans. Chapter 1, verses 18 to 32. If this offends you, if any of this is offending any of you, good. Because, because, no, and I don't mean that in a, in a mean way, okay? Because I'm not here to offend anybody, okay? I'm here to say this is what God's word says. But if you're offended by God's word, that means God's working on your heart. God's knocking at the door of your heart. Will you answer? Will you listen? Will you reach out in faith? That's God's continual and constant call. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, listen, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If you stand out with a heart of faith and you stand out in a field in the middle of the summer and you look up at the stars, you are driven to say, whoa, God is awesome. God is awesome. Never would you, if someone hadn't told you, if someone had not taught you anything, you would never go out there and go, what is that, what is a bomb went off? Uh, Shaped like a pan, must be from a bomb going off. Eight billion years ago. You would say, look at the construct. Look at the design. Look at the nature. Look at our ecosystem. Look at the food chain. Look at how all these different species of animals interact with one another. It's incredible. Do any kind of study. Do a study. Google it and study the the, the function of the human eye and be amazed. Oh, the bomb went off. Are you crazy? There is an eternal God who is all-powerful and omniscient. And he created. He created. That's fantastic. I can't believe that. Then take a closer look at the alternative. It's no less fantastic and no more believable if you just reach out and look at it as it is. Um, Being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and God is so that they are without excuse. Because although, listen to this, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile 
in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies amongst themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. You say, well, we don't do that anymore. We're not Egyptians. You know what I'm saying? We don't have the half dog, half man, all this stuff. No, 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 no. But make no mistake about it. Materialism and evolution is exactly the same thing. It is worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Plain and simple. And without throwing out the Bible and saying, I simply don't believe that part of the Bible, you can't accept it. God is written in our consciences. None of these scientists, when they're at their little seminars and they're writing this stuff, none of them are like, no matter what. Okay, now listen. It's, it's us and the Easter Bunny it's come down to, okay? We cannot allow a pink fluffy foot in the door, okay? Listen. Ha ha, it's ridiculous. Because they're absurdly and obviously not true, right? Unless you're under the age of 10, then it's true. Um... <laughs> Okay, they're not worried about it. Why, what are they worried about? Why are they worried about God? Why are they so worried about we cannot accept for one moment, no matter what, even the idea that there might be some form of intelligent design at all? Watch the documentary with Ben Stein called uh, Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. And his whole documentary, he's not a Christian, his whole documentary is it's called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. His whole documentary is about the fact that in universities around the world, if you even suggest intelligent design, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be blackballed. You, you will not be able to rub elbows with the intelligentsia in the scientific community at all. You will be cast out. Watch that. Watch that. It's amazing. And he talks to some of the heavy hitters in the, in the scientific community. They have a faith that they are adhering to. And they will not for one moment allow even the idea that there may be anything even resembling God. When we talk about intelligent design, when he does in that documentary, he's not talking about Jesus Christ and Yahweh and the Bible. Can you just accept for one moment in your mind that possibly, possibly there's some design involved in all this? Like, can you not do that? No. It's not that they can't imagine it. They won't. Because of where that leads them. You understand? Once you start down a rabbit hole, you're going all the way. And what are they going to end up with? I'm accountable to an almighty God. If he exists and he created me, then I'm accountable to him. And I am compelled to find out what does he expect of me? What does he want from me? What is he asking of me? And then you begin to read this word and it rips you apart. It rips you apart. It takes you from being a self-righteous person who believes that they're basically good and it reduces you to simply a sinful person who is separated from God because of your own sin and that you stand without excuse and you have to make a decision based on that. Choose God, choose his word, or reject it. There's no third direction, friends. There's no third direction. And it is love. You see, you're forcing people, and that is not politically correct. 
to force people to make a, a, a choice, to force people, you have to go this way, you have to go that way. But make no mistake about it, this Bible commands us to preach the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ and that it is absolute truth and that there is no other way to God. It's like the spokes of a wheel and all the spokes lead to the center hub. Ooh, all the religions, all basically the same thing. That's a lie. That's a lie. There's only one way to God. There's only one way to have eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ, his son. Period. End of story. And so God has been appearing to Pharaoh, okay? He stands before the greatest king in the world at that time. And God makes no excuses, and God doesn't negotiate. He says, I am the Lord, the God of Israel, and you will let my people go. And you can bend to my will, or I will bend you. And Pharaoh found out the hard way. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He wants all of us. Dad was talking this morning about when the Israelites finally make their exodus and leave Egypt, it says a mixed multitude went out. You know what that means? Egyptians got saved, kids. That's what it means. It means Egyptians were like, yeah, I'm going to go where they go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, goodbye, bird frog man. I am going to now follow these people. Okay, They may be lunatics, but I'm, but I'm seeing what's happening here. We get down to verse 13 of chapter 9. Uh, Pharaoh has continually hardened his heart. And the Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning, this is chapter 9, verse 13, and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews. You, you understand? Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues, notice, to your very heart and on your servants and on your people that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, here's God's grace. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet, you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. What God is saying to Pharaoh is, Pharaoh, I want you to understand I am being merciful to you. I could have showed up and just waxed your whole nation. In a moment, in a, with a snap of my fingers, it would have been a nation of dead people. And my people could have walked out over your dead corpses. Pharaoh, don't you see? I love you too. Pharaoh, don't you see? I'm trying to show you who I am. I'm trying to reveal myself to you. But you've hardened your heart, and you've hardened your heart, and you've hardened your heart. My will's going to be accomplished, Pharaoh. And I'm going to give you more and more tries. And they're going to get closer to the heart as these plagues go on. They're going to get closer to your own heart. Pharaoh, listen. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause a very heavy hail to rain down, such has not been in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, here's some more mercy, send now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for the hail shall come down on every man and every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. Now, verse 20, okay? Again, everything that we talked about in Romans chapter 1, here it is again. He who feared the word of the Lord 
amongst the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Are you kidding me? The water's blood, right? There's frogs, there's flies, there's flies. Are you kidding me? And now Moses says, there's hail coming. Nah, I'm not buying it. I simply don't believe in the miracle. Oh, what? Listen, remember, faith, faith. Remember what Abraham said to the, to the rich man in, in, when he was in hell. And he said, send Abraham to tell my brothers about this awful place. Remember what he said, they have the law and they have the prophets. And if they will not accept the word of the law and the prophets, then even if one were to raise from the dead, they will not believe. And indeed, one did raise from the dead, didn't he? One did raise from the dead. And did it stop them from not believing? They could not deny it. It, you, simply, you simply stamp out this, 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 this brand new baby church, this brand new baby faith that's springing up. People, they're, they're preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ in the temple. It's very simple. Let, let's go for a walk. We're going to go show you the man's tomb. Right there in their midst, Jesus performed his miracles. Right there in, his, in, in their midst, he taught them. Right there in their midst, he allowed himself to be crucified and put to death. And right there in their midst, he rose from the grave. And it was indisputable. And they couldn't fight against it. There's nothing that they could do. But they still didn't believe, did they? They still didn't believe, did they? Why? Because they would not. Not because they could not. Because they would not. So he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Poor servants. Can you imagine if you're one of those servants and you fear the word of the Lord, but your master's like, I don't believe any of that. Uh, master, there's, see that giant pile of dead frogs? We're still washing blood off of it. You don't believe. I'm the one standing out in the field, not you, you know. Can you imagine? Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven and there shall be hail in all the land of Egypt on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, so very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt all that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Now that's a hailstorm. That bringing down trees, that's a hailstorm. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. I, I already know this, this, this ain't a confession, right? I already know. People come to me and say, I feel so awful for what I've done. I really, really am repentant for what I've done. I, you know what I say to them? Don't worry, that'll pass. Don't worry, that'll pass. And then you're going to be left with the same choice you had before, to do what is right or to do what is wrong. Because that's going to pass. You feel bad now because you got caught. You feel bad now because of consequences. That's going to pass. Everything's going to go back to the way it was. And you're going to go right back into doing what you were doing before. Unless you're willing to heed the voice of the Lord. Unless you're willing to heed the voice of the Lord. So as soon as he says this, I've really sinned this time. No, Pharaoh, you've been sinning pretty much straight along since the beginning. 
okay? Not this time. You've been sinning right along. Uh, The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. You remember, notice too, that Moses never does any sort of an investigation to find out whether or not what Pharaoh is saying is true. He never, never does any sort of investigation to really find out, does, does Pharaoh really mean this? Does Pharaoh really mean it? Is he really sorry? He accepts it every time. He accepts it every time. That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. It is not up to us. It is not up to us to judge. When I told you about when people come to me and say certain things, I think things, and I may say certain things, but there's always a chance. God is a God of second, third, fourth, and eight millionth chances. God is always willing to, re- to relent based on the hope that someone will truly repent. But as for you and your servants, Moses isn't fooled, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. And there's a finality to that one this time. He's made up his decision. He's made his decision. He's made up his mind. He is not going to receive or listen to the word of God. He's going to play games, but he's not going to receive the word of God. Neither would he let the children of Israel go as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord God, and we pray and ask that you would all give us hearts of flesh, Lord. Uh, Lord, and you would not allow us uh, to have hard hearts, Lord, but that you would replace our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh, Lord, and give us the ability by your spirit, Lord, to uh, surrender to you, Father, to your love, to your grace, to your mercy, Father, uh, and to the truth of who you are and what your word says. Father, we pray and ask in Jesus' name that you would um, be equipping us, Lord, and making us into the people that you need us to be, not the people we want to be, but the people that you need us to be, Lord. We pray, Father, that we would go against our own grain, not just against the grain of the world and what people uh, are espousing and believing in this day and age, Lord, but we would even go against the grain of our own hearts uh, when it comes to your word, Lord. Test me and see, Lord, if there's any wicked way. Uh, Lord, and cause us to change our hearts, Lord, to be uh, surrendered to yours. And then use us, we pray, Lord God, to reach people, to love people, to give them the gospel, to share with them the truth of your word. Lord, and we just pray that you would save souls. We're so grateful for the opportunity that you do give us, Lord, to speak to people and then be in part of their lives. And I pray, Lord, right now for every one of these people that are here today, Lord, for their family, for their friends, for their coworkers, Lord, somebody that's important to them or somebody that you've put in their life, uh, Lord, that doesn't know you. I pray that you'd use them this week. I pray that you'd use them over the course of time, that people would see in them the light of grace and faith that they have through Jesus, Lord. I pray that you would bring people to Christ through them, that you would use these people, and I pray that you'd bless them, and I pray that you'd keep them, and I pray that you'd cause your face to shine upon them, and you'd be gracious to them, Lord, and that you would be with them, that you'd be with their spirits, and that they would feel your presence in their hearts, 
at all times, Lord God, and that they would not allow their own flesh to get in the way of communing with you in the Spirit. Father, that's all of us, Lord. I just pray that you would make us who you need us to be. And we love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.